0: Those of you remaining here, we are going to go into the third installment on the teaching on strife. If you would turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3 verse 16. James chapter 3 verse 16. It's a very important passage of scripture in the Bible, written by St. James under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. James, by the way, was the first bishop of the church. He says, in that passage of Scripture, where there is envy and strife, confusion and every other evil thing will be there. Now, that's a little paraphrase on my part. But I want you to understand and know something. I'm taking the time to preach as many sermons on this topic as I have because this is one of the main enemies of the church today. How many heard what I just said? Bow your heads with me. One more time, Father, I pray and ask that you would anoint me to preach this message today and anoint our ears to hear and receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Another passage of Scripture that goes hand in hand with this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. And basically that Scripture says that a Christian is still acting in a carnal manner When they participate in envy and strife. This is very important, for you are still carnal where there is envy and strife. Everybody say that with me. Say, God said, said, We are still carnal carnal. if we are participating in in envy or strife. strife. Why do we uh, major on this so much? Because strife destroys. Strife is a destroyer. Strife destroys churches. It destroys families. It destroys relationships. Strife will kill you. If you don't know this, medical science today has discovered a link between strife. I want you to hear this now. And between about half of the major diseases in the world. How many heard what I just said? Not only will it destroy you spiritually, it will kill you. In fact, one study that has been commissioned and it's it's been uh, proven through scientific fact, uh, one of the main diseases is crippling arthritis. Now, that doesn't mean everybody with arthritis is uh, entertaining a spirit of strife. Don't go out here and say, Pastor Ron said that. (laughs) But that disease, many of them, uh, many people uh, that are afflicted with that disease, it's been traced back to a lifetime of strife in their life. How many are listening to me this morning? Based on that, how many of you believe this is an important topic? And we should examine it as closely as we can and exhaust as much as we can on the topic. Amen? The word carnal there, in the Greek in that passage of scripture is sarkikos. And it means governed by animal human nature rather than by the Spirit of God. So what that's saying is, is that you are governed by your own animal or human nature rather than by God when you walk around and participate in envy and strife. I'm being emphatic as I can today because this is so so important. I gave you these scriptures I think last uh, 2 weeks ago. Proverbs 17:1 says. In fact, read all of the proverbs if you've never done that. Proverbs 17:1 says it's better to have a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. How many, I, I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? And then he, he went on to say in another uh, Proverbs 15, 17, it's better to have a dinner of just herbs or herbs, you know, just, just a salad if there's love then to have a dinner with a fatted calf and strife. These, now, see, this is important. And see, we don't, you know, if you've never done a word search or a word study on a topic like this, you need to do it for yourself. Many Christians today are operating in a state of confusion. And the Bible tells us that confusion is a companion to strife. I've had actually had people tell me, you know, pastor, I'm doing everything that I know how to do, but I still cannot achieve what I believe God wants me to achieve. In fact, I I take two steps forward and three steps back. Has anybody ever felt that way yourself? I had one gentleman tell me, you know what, it's just one thing after another, preacher. I said, yeah, that's life. How many are listening to me? But if a Christian is not enjoying life and enjoying the benefits of their relationship with God, then I must ask the question, what is going on in that person's life? What is going on behind closed doors? Many, many Christians today come to church. They put on a happy face. But their life and their home is full of strife. And then they wonder why they're not successful. And I've even heard some with my own ears Blame God. I want to tell you one thing this morning. There is no failure with God. God cannot fail and will not fail. If there's failure in our life, it's on our part. And we must accept that. In fact, the only way to fix a problem in your life is to admit that you have a problem. Amen? Amen. And I'll tell you something else, too. A good pastor will not stand in the pulpit and tell you what you want to hear A good pastor will get on his knees and seek the face of God and then tell you what God says you need to hear. I'll tell you this I've even had some admit to me that God was dealing with them in this area. And this is over the years. But they had refused to heed God's warning about strife. Now, you know if they heard from God, they had a relationship with God. Amen? So that means they were a Christian. And if they were a Christian, they knew the right thing to do. How do you know that, Pastor Ron? Because the Holy Spirit came to lead us into the truth. Somebody say amen. But what happens is many times people will allow their pride to get in the way. Many times they know it's a problem. And I want to tell you this, if you are entertaining strife in any area of your life, you have opened the door to the devil. Plain and simple. It's as plain and simple as I can put it to you. And I'll tell you this too, the devil will take advantage of every open door to bring destruction in your life. In fact, another proverb, God warned us in Scripture. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Wow. How many of you know that if God states something that emphatically that it's something that we need to be on guard against? Amen? Amen. God's word tells us that in order for us to be successful in what we have deemed as spiritual warfare, we have a responsibility to do what he's told us to do. Amen? I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Very quickly. We're going to read a passage of scripture there. You know it as the armor scripture beginning in verse 10. It says here in this passage of Scripture, Finally, my brethren, look at someone and say he's talking to saved people. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Amen? Put on the whole armor of God. Now notice, I want to make one point here. Jesus didn't say, lay down and I will dress you. He said for you to put on the armor of God. Why? So that you will be able to stand against the wiles or devices of the devil. And that means you will be able to hold at bay. The word stand there in the original meant hold at bay. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against powers and the rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore put on every piece of armor that you think is important and leave the rest in the drawer. He doesn't say that, does it? It says put on every piece. Everybody say, every piece. Put on every piece of the armor of God that you will be able to withstand in the day of evil. Right? Right. And having done this, stand. In other words, when you know evil is confronting you, don't be a chicken. And prayer, praying always with all supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Everybody say amen. Now this is very, very important. God supplies us with everything that we need to defeat Satan and every one of his strategies and deceits. That's what it says right there in that passage of Scripture. In fact, I'm going to encourage you to read it and read it and read it until you can basically quote it verbatim for yourself. Why would you do that, Pastor Ron? Because it needs to well up inside of you when you're under attack. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. Amen and instead of speaking something contrary to scripture you need to be speaking scripture yes. scripture tells us that the devil uh, it's peter great apostle peter in 1 peter chapter 5 verse 8 said listen everybody say this with me say be sober, be sober. and be vigilant. be vigilant and then he says why because your adversary the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking those whom he may devour right I want you to understand what it's being said here if you're vigilant The word vigilant in the Greek means that you're giving due attention to God's revelation in your life. So we need to be vigilant. And we need to know what God has called us to do. Look at someone and say, every believer, that means you and me, wants to be successful Is that true? Did you just say a truth? How do you know that, Pastor Ron? Because I know human nature. Nobody likes to lose. But God said for you to be successful, you must put on the armor of God and one of the main things that God said for you to put on is the shoes of peace. Amen. Everybody say, that it says that. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the word of God, and prayer. That's what's listed in that passage of scripture. They're all necessary. And you need to put the shoes of peace on and you need to keep them on. Let me tell you this. You know, in full gospel circles, circles over the years, we got real good at shouting at the devil. We got real good and heard all kinds of teaching for years about taking authority over him. did we? Let me tell you this. You can shout at the devil and take authority over him all day long, but if you are not walking in obedience, it will not work. Some of you smile at me. (laughs) Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Everybody say, All men. Oh, but I don't like that one, Pastor Ron. Well, I'd never say that to you, Pastor Rod. No, you don't say it to me, but you say it in your actions sometimes. Somebody say amen. amen. I made a decision a long time ago that there are people in this life that I will never like. But I have to love them with the love of Christ. I choose not to associate with or Hang around with them, but I will pray for them. In fact, the worst enemy that I've ever had in this life, I would tell them about Jesus if I had the opportunity. How many are listening to me? And I have prayed and I pray on a fairly regular basis even to this day that when someone offends me or someone does something wrong to me, I pray and ask God to forgive them, and I ask Him to give me enough grace to forgive them as well. And I ask God to never hold anything against them on my part. I don't want any person standing before God with anything on their ledger because of me. So I choose, as an act of my will, to forgive. And God said and I ask him in Jesus name it's done. Isn't that amazing? Somebody say that's good. Turn with me to John chapter 17 very quickly. In John chapter 17, God Jesus himself prayed a prayer for us. Verses 20 through 26. I want you to listen to this prayer because this is the Lord's prayer for every believer. And I'll give you the gist of this prayer right off the bat before we read it. It is that you and I become one with God. Are you listening to me? Read along with me. I do not pray for these alone, but for all those who will believe in me through their word. Everybody, that's us. He wasn't just praying for the 12 right there. How many of you know they were responsible for taking the word to the world? Right? And that word through the ages has been passed down to us because the apostles went out and did what Jesus told them to do. So Jesus said, I'm not just praying for these who I've called to operate in apostolic authority. I'm praying for all of those who would come into the church because of their ministry. Nudge somebody and say, that's you and that's me. Isn't this good? That they all may be one. Everybody say, one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I gave them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire wonderful prayer if you need to write that down write that down and read that from time to time and thank Jesus for praying that prayer for you amen this is his prayer for us the promises of God I want you to understand this cannot be claimed as some preach and teach Please understand what I'm saying. The promises of God are inherited. You know, you hear preachers preach, and especially in our circles, you know, claim this and claim that and do this and do that. I want you to know that I've studied Scripture and I've studied it for many, many years now, and I'm telling you that I've learned that the promises of God are not claimed, they are inherited. What Jesus is talking to us here about is unity. And I've taught you this many times before and I want you to hear me again. I've taught you, how many of you remember when I taught you that fear is the opposite of faith? right? Right. And we've done extensive teachings in that area. Well, I wanna teach you this this morning. Uh, Strife is the opposite of unity. And that's why Jesus prayed that we would be one with Him and the Father. We must enter into a sonship relationship with God. That's gender neutral, ladies. How many heard me? The proof that we are in a sonship relationship with God is that we are led by the Spirit of God. And we know that we are led by the Spirit of God when we choose to put to death our right to be offensive or to be in strife with anyone. How many heard me? Oh, Pastor Ron, you just don't know what they've done to me. We have a choice to make. We can choose to live by the flesh and be carnal, or we can choose to be led by the Spirit and be called sons of God. In Romans chapter 6, verse 11, there's a, it's a very interesting verse there. It says, Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. What's that mean, Pastor Ron? That means, Reckon there means to count yourself as dead to your old nature and alive to God. Now I want you to understand this too because there's a lot of people preaching oneness or unity today. The oneness or unity that Christ talked about and prayed for is spiritual, not organizational. How many got that? And we should be one with, so much with one another that people when they see us and come into our midst marvel at the atmosphere that they've walked into. That's why this is such an important, important teaching. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us sonship. Go with me to Romans chapter 8 very quickly. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. It says, Therefore, brethren... Again, I want you to know he's talking to saved people. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh you will die. Does everybody understand what was just said? It's not one of those cases, what, what does the if mean? It's clear and to the point. But if you will live by the Spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children than heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. Somebody say amen. amen. That's what scripture says. And it's the truth. Many times over the years as a pastor, I've been called on to counsel with a Christian whose spouse was unsaved. That is one of the hardest areas to walk in unity in. But the Bible clearly tells us that one saved person in a household sanctifies the household. So that means that unity is possible. Yes. Amen. What, what's that mean, Pastor Ron? That means that household is set apart unto God for the belief of that believer. Amen? But yet I've seen believers believe that the problems that they have are insurmountable because they are unequally yoked. Well, that's absolutely a problem, and we might deal with that uh, sometime in the future, but we're not going to deal with that today. But I want to tell you this, a lot of times in homes where there is a believer and an unbeliever, there is judgmental strife, and it comes into the home on the part of the believer. I've seen it. The believer will criticize and nag the unbeliever, and when that happens, That's not relying on God. What did God say you, a a believing spouse, was supposed to do for an unbelieving spouse? Two things. Number one, pray for them. Everybody say pray for them. them. And number two, have a chaste attitude toward them. What does that mean? That means don't be confrontational. Let them see Jesus in you. And they will be won by your chaste attitude. Not by your taking the book and beating them over the head with it. (laughs) And that's as true for children as it is a spouse. Once a child is is grown and an adult, they're going to answer to God for themselves. At one time I had four daughters and when they were very small, any sin in their life I was responsible for. And as the head of, the spiritual head of my home when I prayed, that was dealt with until they reached the age of accountability and they answered to God for themselves. Now, that, I'm telling you the truth, people. This is the truth. Nagging, criticizing, and all these other things will not help. In fact, when those, uh, these, that attitude is present, what that means is, is that we have gotten into self-care. Everybody say self-care. In other words, we've pushed God out of the way. But many times we're too busy taking care of the problem ourselves. Amen? Many Christians will come to church on a regular basis. They will even tithe. They'll do what the things that they know how to do. But there's so much strife in their home... That the devil comes and steals all of their blessings before they can even enjoy them. And I've seen it happen time and time again. If Satan is stealing your victory this morning, you need to look for the cause. How many heard what I just said? I'll say it one more time because all of you didn't hear me. If Satan is stealing your blessings, you need to look for the cause. Well, God just doesn't love me as much as he loves you. (sighs) Are you listening? Don't come out with none of that nonsense. Oh, Pastor Ron, it's easy for you. You're a preacher. What are you going to do with the scriptures that says that the, those who are in the five-fold ministry face more hardship than the congregation, not less? Are you listening? In fact, Satan knows if he can get a leader to fall, he can get a lot more to fall with him. That's right. hmm? Does that make sense? Okay. I just want I just wanted to point that out. It's easy for human nature to deceive itself. Oftentimes, we don't want to look at the why behind the what. Somebody say, I got that. that. Trials come for a lot of reasons. And I'm going to tell you one of the major ones is disobedience. How many heard me? The devil will attack you right or wrong because he wants to destroy your faith. Go on over to the 12th chapter of Romans very quickly. Romans chapter 12 verses 9 through 21 tell us exactly how we are supposed to behave. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be kind and affectionate to one another, with brotherly love, in honor, and give preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, and continue steadfastly in your prayers. Is that what it says? Is it up behind me? Distribute to the needs of the saints. Be hospitable with one another. How many of you knew hospitality was a grace? That every Christian is supposed to walk in. Whoa, I didn't know that, Pastor Ron. That's true. Bless those who persecute you and don't curse them. Oh, Pastor Ron, you just don't know what they did to me. I had to give them a piece of my mind. No, you didn't. And you, don't, you can't afford to give away any of your mind anyway. You need all of it you've got. <laughs> with rejoice when they rejoice and cry with them when they cry. In other words, if they're happy, be happy with them and for them. And if they're sad, be sad with them and for them. Be of the same mind toward everyone, one another. Do not set your mind. Don't be high-minded. What's that mean, Pastor Ron? Associate with the humble. A high minded person thinks, Well, look at me. I've arrived. <laughs> that stinks. That's stinking thinking. Somebody say, Amen. If you are steadfast, you will be able to resist the devil. And God said you will eventually gain the victory. Amen? Amen? The same way Satan is destroying homes today, he's destroying churches. Often, the door of strife is kicked wide open. And he will walk in every single time. Go to Hebrews very quickly. I'm running out of time. Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read verses 14 and 15. It says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. The great apostle Paul, writing to the Hebrew church, told them that many were defiled because of the root of bitterness. Strife. That's what it means. Somebody say amen. Amen. Holiness and peace, according to God, is to be the primary goal of every Christian. Everybody say holiness Holiness. and and peace. You know, for years and years in the holiness movement, we were real good about preaching holiness. But you go through and do a word study and you'll find out that most of the time holiness is connected to peace. I have discovered something else in my life that strife spreads like a contagious disease once it's allowed entry. Somebody say amen. You know, Jesus himself said, blessed are the peacemakers. Right? How many believe that's true? How many wants to be blessed? What are you saying, Pastor Ron? I'm saying strife in a church or in a home will hinder the work of the Lord. Amen? Many become contaminated and defiled because strife is left unattended. I'll tell you this, Scripture is abundantly clear. God will only work in an atmosphere of unity and peace. He said even before he sent the Holy Spirit here and started the church after Jesus ascended back to heaven that they had to meet together in one mind and one accord. Now Satan, on the other hand, works in strife and turmoil. What's that mean, Pastor Ron? That means we actually determine in our lives, in our homes, and in our church who's going to be operating. Are you listening? Are you learning anything here? I'll tell you this many times Satan will magnify situations and make them look more severe than they really are. Many times he will come into your home and try to get you out. How many of you know he knows what buttons to push? How does he know, Pastor Ryan? You tell him. (laughs) Well, that just ticks me off. (laughs) Amen? I've even talked with people Pastor around. you know what, I, I think somebody has something against me. So-and-so has something against me. I said, well, what makes you think that? I don't know. I just kind of, I, I sense it. And I'll go to the other person and I'll say, uh, you got a problem with so-and-so? Yeah, I do that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I get to the bottom of it. <laughs> Is it. Pastor, what in the heck are you talking about? I said, there's nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. I said, oh, well. I'll pass that on. When someone is insecure, they are easily offended. How many heard what I just said? I'm giving you some truths this morning that will stand you in good stead for the rest of your life. Many times someone can be offended without our knowledge. I'll tell you a a personal story about me. I've had people tell me that I'm not a really warm pastor. I'm not one of those kinesthetic, touchy-feely kind of guys. Pastor Harmon is actually cold. And he's supposed to be a pastor. Are you listening to me? You know, maybe I've bumped into you some, someone somewhere sometime in Failed to speak to them or failed to speak as quickly as I should have. And folks, that's just me. And I will tell you that sometimes I'm preoccupied. Especially if you run into me before service. Because I've got a lot of things going in my mind. You know. And a lot of times when I'm in the hall, I'm still meditating with God. If that happens please tell me and not somebody else I promise I didn't mean it are you listening to me a huge problem today is that many people live by their feelings I want to tell you a truth today God wants to heal every one of our insecurities and give us a more mature outlook on life. Who heard that? Insecure people carry a root of rejection. This is true. Now we can choose to turn that over to the Lord. But insecure people need a lot of outward assurance that they are accepted. But as a Christian, the Bible says our confidence is supposed to be in the Lord. Not how people feel about us or vice versa. Somebody say amen. Are you with me today? I know I'm going on a little bit, but this needs to be said. You know, John Hagee, John Bevere, Joyce Myers, all of the great teachers today all say that strife is a major problem in the church. In fact, they could tell you stories that would curl your hair. And I remember John Hagee talking about this one time. He said, many times people who are insecure in the church will want to monopolize your attention because you're the leader. How many are listening to me? And he said, if you as a leader cater to their insecurities, they will never get well. You have to point them to Jesus you know what I believe John knows what he's talking about he pastors a church of 19,000 he's got about 15 other pastors working under him how many are listening to me when we come in conflict with someone we're supposed to give them preferential treatment first Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 7 says that we're supposed to believe the best about them, not the worst. Somebody say amen. Stand to your feet. I want you to say this with me. I want your, your ears to hear your mouth say this. Say, will strife will hinder God's calling in my, in my life if I do not deal with it. I want to put it to you like this. I believe that we need to develop a holy anger toward the spirit of strife. Strife hinders God's anointing, and God God has said that it will prevent fresh revelation from flowing into our lives. And, by, and people, we, the Bible says we can't live without fresh revelation. I've preached God's word this morning. Bow your heads, please. Father, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice would hear what I've preached today, that every one of us would internalize this. And that we would begin that examination that needs to take place. And if there's anything there in our lives that is hindering you and your anointing, we will get rid of it. Father, I pray this prayer now. And I'm asking you in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, begin to search the hearts of everyone that's here. Reveal to them, Lord, that all you want is their best. That is my prayer for this congregation today, those who are here and those who could not make it. And I ask it in Jesus' name. With heads bowed, people not looking around. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, If you've never prayed a prayer of confession and repentance at an altar of God, I'm giving you an open invitation before we dismiss this morning. I would like to pray with you. Is there one person here who would say, Pastor Ron, I want to pray with you before I leave? Anybody? How many Christians believe you've heard the Word of God? How many will admit now? I want you to think about this for a second before you raise your hand. How many will admit that you have entertained things that you should not have entertained? Can I see your hand? Thank you for those hands. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Heavenly Father, I'm grateful for this word. And I'm asking you right now to forgive me. I want to be everything that you've called me to be. And I'm asking for your forgiveness and your restoration. And I promise, with your help, Holy Spirit, I will walk in truth, in peace, in harmony, in love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give him praise, people. And in closing, I just tell you this. How many of you know that I don't believe in being a controlling pastor? I believe in demonstrating through my life and preaching to you the word of God, but I don't believe in this obsessive control that some pastors embrace. A pastor who wants to control rather than lead will cause strife. Now on the flip side of that, one who allows you to be you sometimes has to deal with other areas and other issues. But I believe that that's the way God wants it Amen. Bow your head for the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may he give you that peace that passes mortal understanding and fill your life with his unspeakable joy that is full of glory. Blessing you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You are dismissed.